Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two guys who always mishear the name of spells. Mm, Fox's coming raised a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, it's true. I mishear spells I, a lot. I literally laughed out loud when I thought of that earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> I was at work and just oh, went... <laughs> Oh, it, yeah. It, well, my name is John Santana. Uh, my name is still Justin. Hey, still, how have you been getting on? <laughs> I've been good, man. I've been really good. Um, had to do a bit of a drive for work today, which was long because it was raining and stuff. And for some reason, when it starts raining, people forget how to drive. Um, so I was diverted through all sorts of back lane country roads to be here to hit the record button. Um, but other than that, I've been really good. What about yourself, man? I've been good, but I do have a very important question. Fire away. These, these country roads. They took me home. Thank you very much. They did. They took me yeah. home. That to was the, place the burning question. That was the burning question. <laughs> but it was not West Virginia. No, probably yeah, for not, the best. It's not where I live. No. I feel like if the, if the country roads took me to West Virginia, then they did not take me home. And so that would be a bit of a an issue. Yeah, it um, kind of would be, wouldn't it? I don't know anyone in West Virginia either, so I'd be a little bit stuck. To be honest, other than that fucking song, I know nothing about West Virginia. All, all I know is it's Virginia and it's to the West, I'm guessing. Although, saying that, with place names, you never fucking know. It could be North. Who knows? I feel I need to Google West Virginia right now. <laughs> I'm going to do the same. I feel like we yeah, do. Yeah, we, we do need to do that. West Virginia is an American state. It's in the southern United States. I rest my case. I rest my fucking case. Yeah, but maybe it is the west part of Virginia. Maybe there's like... A... It, it is to the west of Virginia, looking at the map of God, the state. we're sounding so fucking dumb to Americans right now. We are, but then again, we don't know America, right? We're not from there. Yeah, Although, even still... then, it's it's like, it's west of Virginia, but it's like northwest of Virginia. So, like, yeah, some, now, some of it is north of Virginia. Like, yeah, but this now you've been your but, usual pedantic self. Well, yes, that's what I do. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to, you know, cause anyway. offense to any potential <laughs> listeners in West Moving Virginia. Moving on. <laughs> I'm sure you have a wonderful place. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's not where I live. So I would feel very lost if that's where I ended up whilst driving home from work. Chances are it's better than the shithole that you actually do live oh, in. Oh, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Like, there, there are not many places that are worse than, than... I mean, I used to live in a place that's worse than where I live. Um, and that's why I moved here, because it was an improvement. But it's still not great. <laughs> no, it's, it's still not great. I, I, I walked home the other night, and it was like... <laughs> ah, shit, I got a taxi. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. So, uh yeah. this week we've been we've been quite busy this week. We have. We have. In, in my own sort of personal pursuits, um played a bit more of the old homebrew campaign. Uh mm -hmm. it was a bit more of a a leisurely stroll through a mountain uh mountainous region after <laughs> the absolute fucking slaughter of <laughs> an entire town. Which I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's kind of landed. It has hit 
certain characters different ways, which I'm I'm kind of really liking. And as I'm knuckling down on because <laughs> it's definitely worth exploring. Yeah, of course. One of the characters in particular is an evil character. So he kind of enjoyed it probably more than he should have done. Uh, no, I think you'll find he enjoyed it the proper amount. And I do have to actually have to make a correction. <laughs> he is no longer an evil character because mm. alignment can doesn't get exist. <laughs> well, no, because you don't have to have alignment to be an evil person, right? Yeah, but I feel there's a lot more subjectivity towards it. Yeah, I, I feel like with... Uh, it's, it's one of those things as well where I think even if you get rid of alignment, right, there's still going to be that element of like, ah, yes, but he's an evil person. Like, yeah, but no, but yes. Um... Cause like it's, and I know we're gonna we're gonna end up talking about alignment now for another fucking half an hour, but it's <laughs> the fine. Issue that we've I got, always we've had, got time to kill. It's true. The issue I always had with like branding um, something as evil in air quotes, right, is it's evil from a perspective, right? Yeah. Because they don't think they're being evil; they think they're doing the right thing. That's why they're doing it. It just so happens that society as a whole goes, no, that's fucked up. <laughs> Do you realize that as you were saying that your your like accent went into West Country? <laughs> that's why they're doing it. And it, it did kind of sound like the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I did watch Hot Fuzz recently, so that might be why. <laughs> It really did kind of lean into West Country there for a second. It's like, oh shit, he's one of good. them. The greater good. The greater good. <laughs> no luck finding them swans then. <laughs> I really need to watch that movie. Then. Oh, dude, it's so good. It's so dumb, and that's why I love it. <laughs> I do agree with you, however, that um, the the concept of good and evil in a lot of cases is subjective. Mm. Yeah, it's perspective. And some of the best villains ever written are the ones that Whoa. have a logic Thanos. to what they do. Right, Thanos in, in the Marvel films was like what he was doing was like it was wrong. Like, but his um reasoning behind it was good in essence, right? He just wanted there to be enough resources for the universe to survive. And instead of you know, using his brain for five seconds going, hey, I can alter reality. Why don't I just double the resources? Um, he went the other option of, why don't I just kill half the people? Wrong way to do it, but, you know, is what it is. Uh, <laughs> 10 points for, you know, uh, coming up with the concept. Negative points for execution. Pardon yeah, the pun. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd still kind of do the Thanos thing. I mean, yeah, but that's because we hate people. There's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it because there's less people to deal with. <laughs> so I, the the whole thing with the town was a deliberate, deliberate morally grey area. Yeah. So everything about everything about it was that could either go either way, sort of yeah. thing. So that's why I used it as a springboard just to get rid of alignment. Other than that, I've been preparing some good old Kingmaker for when that starts in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also I have another game coming up in a couple of weeks. 
I've got a lot going on. Busy man, busy man. I'm a busy man. I'm a busy role player. I I uh, am less busy. Um, I mean, I did get to to do some awesome fun stuff, as you well know, because you were there. Um, which we're going to get into a little bit later on, which was we, we got to play some Fabular Ultima, which was awesome. So fucking good. It was so good. But we'll, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get into that a bit more later on. But that, it was, it, it, it blew me away. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to, to playing a lot more of it. Um, but yeah, that's, and I, I've been just building a lot of characters. Um, because I've still not really, so I, I, I'm, I'm certain I did mention it, but um, the 20th level one shot that a friend of mine wants to run, he still hasn't run it yet, um, which means I unfortunately have more time to play around with character ideas and builds. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I on the drive home today, I came up with something that I thought would be really, really funny for no reason other than it would just be dumb, right? And that's to take like the, you know, the way a lot of people will like role play a dumb character by speaking like an idiot or like just talking really slowly or mis- mispronouncing words or, you know, just, just talking um, like the way, a, like a, a simple character would in film or anything like that, or, um, or like the way, um, like barbarians are often portrayed with that a really slow talking voice that just is a bit, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But making the character really fucking intelligent. And he just talks like that for fun. <laughs> no, that could be, that could be quite cool. So, cause I, I was, I was playing around with the concept of building a wizard for this thing. Cause obviously wizards are stupid broken. Because wizards, right? Because spellcasting. Um, so I was talking around with this and I was like, I don't want to play that kind of wizard who just, you know, talks really, really well and is very clever all the time and is just so good at everything. Like, I'm bored of that. So I wanted to try and do something different. And I thought it'd be really funny to have a wizard who just sounds like a moron, but happens to be super intelligent. Okay. I mean, that could. That, yeah, that could work. Because that's I the mean... thing, right? Wizards are book smart. But they're not, yeah, they're not necessarily. Doesn't necessarily mean he's, Mm. you know, well-spoken. He just means he reads very well, (laughs) you know? And if he spends all that time, you know, tucked away in a library somewhere reading books, he may not have the best people skills. I'm thinking Neil from The Young Ones. (laughs) Hey, guys. Yeah, that that kind of, that's the vibe, yeah. Groovy man. Yeah, 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 exactly that. Or, or maybe, maybe he just permanently talks like he's high all the time. Maybe he's high all the that, time. Yeah, that's it. Like his brain is going so fast to try and like slow it down. He just smokes an in, like an incomprehensible amount of of the the leafy products um, in that actually, world. Actually, I mean. I think that that concept does cater to a certain subset of the population. It does, yeah. <laughs> you know, Grateful Dead fans and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do actually like the concept. I think it is quite yeah. funny. That he's just so wired all the time. He just kind of needs to... To, 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 to like, 
take the edge off. Just take the edge off and yeah. calm down. Yeah. So I was talking around with that a little bit on the drive home and just like how, how fun it would be to like, especially like when you get to some sort of problem solving element, right? Because obviously nobody, nobody knows how intelligent you are until you show it, right? And if all of the interactions that the group have had with him is just him talking like an idiot and they've never had to see his brain, you know, do its thing in a, in a manner of speaking, um, they're, they're going to be like trying to solve this problem. And then the guy who sounds like an absolute like moron just goes, well, I think we should just do this. And it's like just the most eloquent answer ever. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, it kind of reminds me slightly of um, Kevin out the office. <laughs> yes, yeah. The American office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, where they you know, the entire series is portrayed as like very. He's just this very incompetent. Yeah. But the moment they start talking about pies, it becomes like a mathematical genius. Yes, it's exactly yeah, exactly that. Like he just he just knows. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd run a game with that. Uh, so that's that's the kind of one of the concepts I'm I'm working with at the minute. Um, now I just need to figure out the rest of the build because I've got his personality. Now I just need you know everything. Personality is half the battle. Well, I mean, for me, that's ninety percent of the battle because the the math part I, I do really easily. Right, the actual build element is I I can put, I put those together in my sleep half the time. It's the coming up with these fun little hey, that'll be cool is the part that's hard for me. But you know what can help with builds? Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, like, building monsters and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Is the new book coming out. Wow. <laughs> Monstrous, who has... That's good. ...reached its Kickstarter goal. It has. It has officially reached its goal with 67 it, hours to go. It was... I, I think I got the email about an hour before we started recording. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I I kickstarted this because I thought it was a really cool concept. You they've did. done a couple of videos where they've created like a dragon in in Tales of the Valium. That's cool. Which is a really interesting watch, especially if like me, you're invested in both products. Yeah, it's like fuck it, let's do this. Um, but it it just looks so cool. Mm. And yeah, so. I'm happy that got kickstarted. Yeah, because that means I've got another little toy. No, another little tool in your uh, utility belt. Not that I've spent any more money this past week. Of course not. No, not at all. <laughs> Definitely not. That's not I, something I, we do here. We don't spend I, money. Anybody following on the Facebook of Master will see that <laughs> I caved and bought the One Ring. <laughs> <laughs> no, wonderful little shop in London, though. Yeah. Called Orcs Nest. Okay, I like it's that just, name. It's tabletop it's role-playing name. game and board games. Okay, I might have to pop Re- that in and check it out. Really small place, really mm. tiny, but it's on two floors. And yeah, really, really cool. And okay. I bought the book and they said, oh, just send us an email with the details and we'll send you a free PDF. That's awesome, dude. Like, that's really cool. Sweet. Yeah, man. Oh, that's pretty cool. I might have to pop down and check them out. Yeah, because you need to pick up... Um, lots of things. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I need to pick up lots of things. <laughs> well, the deal is, I, w- I, know, I do the I know, I know, yeah, 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 and I, I get the Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. I am aware. I am you aware. Shitty system. 
Um, well, we're not going to discuss that. But <laughs> speaking of money changing hands, though. Mm. Yeah, see, that was a good one. That was a good um, one. That was a good one. There, there may be, there may be some money changing hands very soon because Evil Genius Games have sued Netflix. Yep, I did see this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, For it- breach of contract, uh, breach of the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing, quantum, Jesus, that's, and then a bunch of Latin. I'm not going to read the Latin. A bunch of Latin stuff. Um, and declaratory relief is the final bit. Um, basically, because they, they were building a TCRPG system around um, Rebel Moon. So, from what I can gather, um, and I, I kind of heard about Rebel Moon mm. before learning about the tabletop yeah. role-playing game. If I'm not mistaken, Rebel Moon initially was going to be, or the, the idea was for it to be a Star Wars sort of entry, but that didn't materialize. So... Um, Zack Snyder went, right, I'll do my own thing then. Yeah. And obviously he got in touch with Netflix, who initially were going to do a movie, and that's where the tabletop role-playing game came in. Mm -hmm. Then the movie kind of got scrapped, and it got turned into a series. Yeah. And in this restructure, um, Evil Hat, I think it is, got basically punted out of their contract Mm -hmm. quite unceremoniously. Yeah, after having done a crap ton of work. So by May, uh, which is when it looks like they were told, don't bother, um, they had produced a 228-page world Bible, which vastly expanded on the universe envisioned by Mr. Snyder himself a 430-page player's guide, and a 337-page GM's guide. That's a big, big That's investment. That's a shit ton of work, dude. That's a huge investment. And it's, it's evil. I mean, don't get me wrong, Evil Hat isn't a small fish, but it's now Wizards of the Coast. No, but what that does mean, though, is they're not a small fish, which means they might have the money to actually continue to pursue this right because let's be honest that's the way companies like netflix work when this kind of lawsuit happens normally the person on the other end of it just can't afford to continue the legal battle um because they run out of money and netflix has a lot of money and a lot of lawyers right um but this is one of those cases where i mean evil genius games won't have the same money as netflix because let's be honest not many people do um, but they do have a lot, so they should be able to take this at least most of the way. And there's also something that Netflix probably hasn't taken into consideration. All of us. <laughs> yeah. But basically, it's the same thing that Wizards fucked up with. Yeah. They underestimate mm-hmm. the community. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, were. they have. If the the sort of Vox popular decides that Netflix is indeed the bad guy in this, 
which I don't see any other way to see. They will be there will be a lot of support. Oh, absolutely. From yeah. other companies, from mm. from users, and you know, it'll be it'll be another another boycott. Yeah. Um, but Netflix is actually responding, isn't it? Um they did I did see something about Netflix responding to say that the reason the contract was became null and void was because of um some breaches in confidentiality perpetrated by evil evil genius. Right. Um I'm just trying to find it because this isn't the original thing that I saw. Because this came about because I first saw it because I refollowed, not refollowed. I found Linda oh, Cordega again. I found so uh, Evil Geniuses have actually put up a page documenting everything on their website. So apparently, Netflix terminated the agreement on May 25th, claiming that they violated confidentiality provisions in their contract by sharing artwork at an industry trade show called uh, Gamma Expo. This termination came as a surprise for several reasons. All artwork was sent to Netflix prior to the event for review and approval. Everything we shared was approved and documented by Netflix months earlier, and the presentation in question was a joint presentation by Evil Genius Games and Netflix staff. So it sounds like they've basically just tried to find any reason to terminate, um, even though they approved all the artwork. So I don't see how that could be then seen as a breach if Netflix went, yeah, that's fine. That sounds like an oversight on Netflix's side. Quite possibly. Um, apparently, there were two instances. Um, the first instance, which you've just mentioned, mm. um, the second time was when Evil Genius Games uploaded two non final teaser cover images onto the back end of its site for the purposes of retailer pre order. And, and through administrative error, accidentally made the portal accessible to the public. Hmm. Again, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, me neither. Um, you know, I do. I honestly, fuck Netflix. Yeah. Um, I I hope Evil Genius gets what they deserve. Absolutely. And you know, to be to be a real dick about it, I would just rename it um, Mebel Rune or something. <laughs> just file off the serial number and kind of go. There you go. <laughs> Or, even better, with this added publicity, that might give them enough clout to actually approach, uh, approach LucasArts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and D- say, you know Disney. that thing that was meant to be a Star Wars, but then it fell through? How about we fuck Netflix over a tiny bit? Well, yeah, because then it would uh, be Disney-related. Um, and it would end up on Disney+. Plus. Well, I mean, not if they actually made, again. yeah, but if they actually made the like a film or a show about it as well, it would end up on Disney Plus, which would then double stick it to Netflix, because then they'd that have, would be fun. That would be hilarious. Um, okay, so evil genius, evil hat. I don't know how to refer to you. You've got <laughs> ideas. Yep, because they definitely um, listen to two idiots chatting shit. <laughs> I actually, I actually. Okay, I actually gonna... know somebody who works for him. Oh, for real? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, then yeah, get in touch. I'm going um, to I... send a Facebook message. I am going to stick that on our watch list because I would like to keep an eye on that as it progresses. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I. It's just again, it's these big companies kind of trying to get away with shit. Yeah, it, I mean, it is, and you know, it's. Uh, I'm just getting sick of it now. It just seems like every fucking week we've got some other company trying to do something they shouldn't be doing, and it's just. Guys, someone, stop. <laughs> someone actually posted a poll on Mastodon about this very subject. Let me see if I can quickly find uh, it. Uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, where was it now? Okay, so let me have a look. So it was basically... Uh, what creator-facing company is going to do it next? Tank their stock value in a gross misunderstanding of the power they hold. Mm-hmm. The options were Twitch, no. Affinity, or Wizards of the Coast again somehow. <laughs> so I, I don't think it'll be Twitch because Twitch Twitch is not the kind of company that would do something um, to like monumentally fuck themselves over. They prefer the slow bleed which is what they've been doing for a long time now. Um, so I don't see them doing that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Twitch, Twitch did win the poll, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but you see, that's because like people, I think they don't understand Twitch. Um, because I, honestly, I personally think the main reason Twitch is struggling and failing is because Amazon wants to get rid of it. Well, I just, I mean, a lot of the comments on here, it's like, yeah, Twitch hasn't done anything for a while. Surely it's about fucking time. <laughs> well, no, that, that's why. Because I, I reckon they haven't done anything for a while because Amazon just doesn't want it anymore. Oh, they want to kill it. it. I just find it funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So, but who'd have thunk? Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Netflix. Good old Netflix. To be fair, this is just another... They're, they're even, even worse than Wizards at the moment because this is like number seven on their list of fuck-ups recently. Because, like, they've had their, their password sharing crackdown, which is hilarious to me because when they first released the product of Netflix, they're like, hey, you can share your password with people. Now they're like, don't you dare share your password with people. It's like, that was literally your advertising campaign at one point. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but I, I wouldn't call that a fuck up. I'd just call that just a business choice, which people aren't going to quite agree with. Yeah, fuck up. So, I don't really call it a fuck up. Um, but, I mean, I, it, I think these things do kind of make me angry. Yeah. You know, um, almost wrathful. Fuck you, hell. Come on, I set it up, dude. Set it up for uh, you. No, I'm not. Do- I refuse. Come on. I refuse. Take it. take it. I refuse. This take is not a righteous slag. use of a... <laughs> Oh, I feel dirty for doing that. <laughs> oh, God, but don't it? Doesn't it feel so right? Wrath oh, of the Righteous DLC. <laughs> this new DLC. So, yeah, this is only tangential to, <sighs> yeah. to our brand, but um, Wrath of the Righteous, the hugely popular Pathfinder video game, mm-hmm. has released some DLC titled The we'll, Lord We'll of be Nothing. releasing some DLC. We'll be releasing Not some out yet. DLC. November 21st. Fair enough. Um, I've never played Wrath of the Righteous. I have played Kingmaker. Good mm-hmm. bit of fun, but I don't really have time to invest in video <laughs> games anymore. So, yeah, it's probably going to sail straight by me. 
yeah. to be fair. By the looks of it, it it's going to be continuing the storyline of the game. Um, so your your character will continue from the end of the last DLC, um, or you can create a new character to play the new DLC, but it'll work either way. Um, they're adding like new spells, new f- like feats and stuff like that. Um, so it, it's a bit like, you know, any AP that would come out for an actual TTRPG game. It's just an expansion to the world that exists. That's fair. And again, it's been a hugely popular one. Mm. Um, so I may pick it up one day. I've always been interested in the Wrath of the Righteous adventure path, yep. but I do not want to run it mm. because for the tabletop, it, it used um, Pathfinder's Mythic rules. You had a bad experience with Mythic, didn't you? Everybody had a bad experience with yeah. Mythic. It was oh, just a... It <laughs> broke the system. I didn't. You never that. did. You, I'd, I'd left yeah, that point. Left <laughs> so you'd have loved it because, you know, Mythic broke Pathfinder. I mean, I, I'd already broken Pathfinder by that point. No, no, but this is, like, beyond anything. <laughs> Super broken. <laughs> yeah, just the, the shit you could do on Mythic. Yeah. Was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, didn't didn't Chris have like five thousand shots with his bow at one point, or like near Something enough? Something fucking stupid. Like he, um, he would just sit and roll dice like the entire combat and still not have finished his attacks for the next round. By the time I got back round to him, with Mythic, my deception or bluff as it was in in yeah. Pathfinder First Edition, I think without rolling a dice was forty. <clears throat> Um, and using a couple of things, I could get it up into the 60s to 70s. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, when I say it broke the system, I'm not joking. Yeah. Okay. That's dumb. But apparently it's something that they kind of did fix in the video game. So I think they just um, obviously made the game a lot more balanced. Yeah. I think as well, like if you if you're building a game around that it's easier to balance than if you just kind of get there if you know what i mean yeah um especially like video game world as well because everything's kind of hard locked um so you can a lot it's a lot easier to limit the the interactions of things that are like rules is written this is really broken in like an actual like ttrpg right um, cause there are a lot of interactions like in, in 5e, for example, where rules is written, it creates dumb shit, but realistically any GM is going to look at that and go, no. <laughs> but also the, the advantage of a video game is you can just get out the, you can just dispose of the elements that yeah. are broken. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You that. know. This is something that's going to ruin my game. Nope. nope. And that's it, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly that. I mean, it's, yeah. <sighs> it's so, it's yeah, a lot if easier. You, if you're into video games and if you're into Pathfinder, definitely pick it up because I'm sure it's going to be a great fucking time. Mm-hmm. Just a quick thing on, on Paizo. Yep. Um, Starfinder Enhanced is coming out soon. Yes. Which I would argue bit of a moot point at this time yeah because you got they've got 2e coming out soon haven't they they've got a second edition coming out in about a year and a bit yeah so okay fair enough they probably they probably already had the book in mind yeah before they decided to 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 step away from the ogl which is what has um 
what has been the reason behind the push for 2e. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to like coincide with Pathfinder 2e, which is a great system and all that. But they wouldn't have done it so early had they not have wanted to get away from the OGL. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at like the the release about it, right? It's a 192-page book. Um so yeah, there's there's it's absolutely plausible that they were working on this before all the all the OGL stuff happened, right? Yeah, I mean um, the announcement came. I mean, I don't know about before the OGL stuff, but or definitely around before that sort of time, yeah. Starfinder Second Edition yeah, was yeah, yeah. was announced. They they had already announced Enhanced. It was going to be Starfinder's version of Pathfinder Unchained, mm-hmm. which brought updates to a bunch of classes, made them really cool, Br- unbroke other classes. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna... Um. <laughs> Yeah, dude, because the, the, the not unchained I, summoner I, was I, so I, fucking broke. I don't know what you're talking about. You never witnessed my summoner, did you? I, I built one. I know how I know how dumb they were. <laughs> they were fantastic. Um, and when and when my id when my idolone wasn't working, it's like, right, dismiss you and fucking Zerg I think rush. Yeah, I think that like when I built a summoner for Pathfinder was the point I was like no, I can't. There's too much. There's too much unbalance in this game. I can't play it. It's a, it's, the summoner is a one one man army. It's ridiculous. However, in second edition, it has been fixed. It's a really cool class. That's cool. Well, what I'm liking about the species in um, Starfinder Enhanced, which I'm hoping they carry these over to Two E, and then I'd be very tempted to play Two E. One of them is basically the Starfinder equivalent to Ewoks. <laughs> I know. I did. <laughs> and I'm all for that because let's be honest, the Ewoks were the greatest characters in any of the Star Wars films ever. And I will fight anyone who disagrees. I'm more excited about the fact that you can play as a hologram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just once again fueling the red dwarf thing. Or a tiny sentient star was one of the other options. I just want to play as Arnold Rimmer. <laughs> I just want to play as Arnold Rimmer, oh. who failed his entry to the space core. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Some of the other races that they've released in this book, uh, one of them is um, also like a, a cat race. There you go. So, there you you, go. so this is basically Red Dwarf for Starfinder. We can do red, we can do a Red Dwarf. We absolutely can. Yeah, because you've got the AI core. Um, Androids got, yeah, already exist. Yeah, they already exist. Um, Humans, obvs. obviously. Yeah, um, and then obviously the cat race. Yeah, the cat race. And now the hologram. Yep. So what was that game we were mentioning last week? It was like, oh, we can play Red Dwarf. Fuck it, we can do it in Starfinder. <laughs> we can do it in Starfinder. Yeah. <laughs> Just need the right people around the table and it would be a blast. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds that sounds one shot vibe to me. It absolutely does, yeah. All do, right. do, do a little uh, red dwarf inspired one shot. I'd be up for that. Alright, okay, so I will just, just um, start calling everyone Smegged. But of course, I mean, come on. <laughs> That'd be the title of the episode. <laughs> Alright, so who, who that's the smeg good- are you? <laughs> That's gonna that's gonna be a thing. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I love it. Yep. But speaking of actually playing a game that was on our list, 
We did it. We played a game that was on the list. We did. And it was... Awesome. Fabulous. It was ultimazing. Mine was better. <laughs> it 100%. Was. Mine, was, mine, mine was, was fucking terrible. Mine was much better. But we played Fabulous Ultima. And it was... We did. Amazing. Um, the... Like the story that Couch ran us through was incredible. Um, the characters were really fun. I loved your character. <laughs> <laughs> he was my favorite. <laughs> we, you know, ever since we mentioned it on the show, yeah, with with Couch, he was, you know, he was taken by it. He bought the book shortly after, yep. and for the past few weeks, it's been like, okay, we need to run this. We need to run this. Yep. So we finally set a date, and there were four of us. It was just in myself, two friends, and Couch. Yep. And we were all playing uh, Press Start. Yes. Which is like an intro adventure. So I will say this. If you haven't played it and you want to, you may want to tune out for the next 20 minutes, Sometime, half an hour. yeah. <laughs> because... Spoiler alert. We will probably mention story elements. Yeah. But we, we will try not to spoil it as much as possible. We, we but... will try to be as vague as possible. Yes, that's probably the best way yeah, of, of putting yeah. it. And it was fantastic. We all it had pre-gens. So yep. My pre-gen, um, <laughs> and um, this is just what's given to me, not what I did with it. <laughs> My pre-gen had the, the sort of trait of hope. He was a young kid who is a gunslinger and tinkerer mm. with a Magitek arm called Edgar. <laughs> then there was your characters. I forgot your character's I was, name. I was playing Blair. Blair so, was clericky, bardy. Kind yeah, but of very bardy, very bardy. Yeah, it was more mm. bard than cleric, I would say, if I had to like put a put a class on on Blair. Um but Blair was the heir to the throne of Dunover uh, or Dunover. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm I'm going with Dunover because it sounds funny. Um because that place got Dunover. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to be doing this podcast alone. Now. <laughs> um, now, unfortunately, I did miss a big chunk of the session because uh, my small one was not playing ball with the whole going to bed thing, um, which was loads of fun, as you well know, because you were here. Well, I will... <laughs> I will kind of go over that and, and just kind of fill you in on the bits that you mm-hmm. missed while we kind of discuss it. Because I think we should kind of start at the beginning from the beginning. Yeah. I think we should start there. Yeah. Um, there was also Cassandra, who was fighter-y kind of. Um, oh, yeah, I would say so. Fighter-y, uh, maybe paladin without spellcasting. True. And then there was Levine, who was more barbarian, um... like low, low armor class tons of hit points I, I would say more ranger personally or rogue really? yeah oh, because it's it was they were they were very um like the attack style was quite quick rather it, to me it felt that way anyway because it was like hmm. pole army rather than yeah. like just bashing e so Fair. i'd say maybe more ranger from that point of view um but again i think we're trying to put you know, Pathfinder and yeah, new flavor on these things when they're not, but it's just an awesome character. Cause it, so 
Cassandra was very, like I say, very pole army. So there was a lot of like stabbing at reach um, and like abilities that let her close the gap on enemies and hit them, which was really cool. Um, at least that that's what I thought. But <laughs> no, it was it was really cool system, and I I have to to say, I mean, I've always I've always highly rated couch as a gm Mm -hmm. um absolutely but i i don't think i've ever seen a system fit a gm oh god yeah as well as fabula ultima fits Mm. with couch absolutely he just he would just took everything in his stride and even my antics (laughs) of which there were many have you got an accident report? <laughs> so I made the creative or the narrative choice of giving my character a certain quality, which not a lot of people appreciate. I love it. And it all st- and it all started at the beginning because we yes. are meant to describe this airship that we're on. Yeah. So I started with the description. I went, I think it's going to be somewhat mechanical steampunk. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of had had our input. Yeah. And we ended up creating a mechanical steampunk sort of airship, which was held aloft by, so I think it was like, it a, like, a, like a blimp sort no, of no, so, No, it was like a hovercrafty um, yeah. thing. And then there was like a sail as well. Um, so it was just a, an amalgamation of, of everyone's of input. We yeah. And just for flavor, I kind of looked, I kind of said, I think my, I think Edgar's kind of looking around the <laughs> engines and, and just looking at like some of the things that are leaking. He, he didn't think it was up to code. Apart. And I, I, I don't think this is up to code. And that kind of prompted me to everything having to be up to code and having to have forms filled out. So when we inevitably had an accident, yeah, I, I as we're going inevitably, down, <laughs> as we as we're going down, I'm going to the pilot guy and he went, "Where's your accident reports? Where are they?" Oh yeah, our, our oh. good old uh, airship captain Leon, it's a good guy, <laughs> who we described as like Popeye but older and like has had enough of everyone's shit, <laughs> like a, a, reti- a retired Popeye. <laughs> And massively racist. Yes, yeah. Because because of the the accent that Couch gave him, yeah. it was like holy shit, dude. Oh, that was funny, man. Oh, it was just it was it was one of the and I like like you said, man. Like it's a system that I think it suits Couch so well because it encourages um like that, and and it's something that it, it prompted a few of his questions as well. Actually, in the past, now that I'm thinking about it um was the like collaborative world building right because the way that system is designed is to get input from the players at the table to build what they're standing on right like like that that whole airship building thing that's part of the system that wasn't just a a thing that couch decided to do like he's told me like in in other discussions we've had about it that is part of the system that's baked into how that system works but it also just happens to be as you know how couch runs a game he takes all of that input and he turns that into the scene and fabula ultima that's that's a mechanic that's part of the game 
Yeah, and it does really fit. And and when you were dealing with with your daughter and and whatnot, um, we did some of like the background sort of stuff. So Couch essentially asked us questions about our characters. So what we knew about Edgar, for example, <laughs> he was he had a Magitech arm, mm-hmm. and he was from Pemble. Yes. And one of the questions was, there was something that, something bad happened to you. Mm. What was it? And why did you leave Pemble? So what I did is I got the whole accident report (laughs) thing. And my whole thing was, he was in Pemble and there was either a factory or some sort of big, um, big industrial sort of element to it which edgar from very early on realized was not up to code (laughs) and he kept on trying to get them up to code until there was a catastrophe where he lost his arm right and after that (laughs) he was so adamant in telling people that you should have had this up to code. You should have done this. Yeah. This is how things should be done. That they actually invited him to leave the town. <laughs> they they sent him on a quest to get rid of him. <laughs> and that's why he was where he was. But that is why I leaned heavily into the... Uh, have, you, have you got a permit to be here? <laughs> you, has, has that bow... Do, do you have a permit for that? And I mean, like, obviously, me being the the bundle of, I'm gonna fuck around as much as I can. Um, once I realised that that was a thing for Edgar, um, any time the the big bad at the end of it was like, did anything? I was like, Edgar, Edgar, I I don't think she's got a permit for that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just to watch like the anger wash over him it was like. Ow. Dare they not have a permit? Yeah, and I didn't even <laughs> describe it either. I just glared at Couch. Yeah, it was so good, man. Um. <laughs> it was brilliant. And then towards the end, when I kept interrupting the bad guy, yeah. <laughs> I could see, I could see uh, Chris just kind of cringing. <sighs> okay, what was it? Estepona? No, no, that's not my name. <laughs> okay, Forever Alona. <laughs> I felt like that was a little bit of uh, Nahash creeping back in there, though. I can't resist I it. Know. Every character I play has some element of Nahash just being <sighs> absolute knob. But it was it was so good, though, man. And like it was again, it was one of those um, like the the ending to it all. And again, I'm not gonna say what the ending was, but it was just such a satisfying. Even though like it was one of those endings that didn't end, right? But it was still a satisfying end, if if that makes sense. So, where do you go with it? Because obviously, we have that we've got the option of carrying on with the characters that we yeah have yeah because obviously or creating new yeah because so um the the actual press start ended where where it ended, um but Couch being the amazing GM that he is, um use the end of the press start like adventure to lead into his homebrew adventure, which was fucking amazing. And I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, but yeah, as you say, he's given us the option of creating our own character or carrying on with, for me, it would be Blair. Um, personally, I didn't like, I like Blair as a character, but I don't think she's me, if that makes sense. Um, fair enough. So I, I would like to build my own character. I haven't decided what yet. I haven't had a proper look, but I will be building myself something. Um, I know you, as much as you like Edgar, you said that you would be doing the same. I have since changed my mind. Oh, interesting. I did have an idea, and I actually messaged um, Couch during the game. Mm. Edgar found a a lot of Magitech. Mm-hmm. So my initial idea was to use that Magitech to create an android. Oh, and you were going to play the android? And that android would be my new character. Ah, oh, I like it. I like it. But I have since had a better idea. Okay. And I will be carrying on with Edgar. Okay. Because I think it's a lot I can lean into. Yes. And I think I've already established him <laughs> as that guy. Yep, he's definitely so, that guy. He's absolutely so, that guy. So I'm going to lean lean into that heavily, obviously. Um, so I'm going to carry on with Edgar, and I do have a project. I've, I've already communicated that to Couch. He's going to look into seeing how we can accomplish it. Okay. So that's going to be interesting. But the system itself... It's it's so good, man. It, it's it's so rare for me in particular um, to to try something new like that and not have to. I mean, you, you've seen what I'm like, right? When I look at a new system, the first thing I do is I go in through like the entire rule book. Like, how does the math work? How do the mechanics work? How does that work? I never once had to even think about it with Fabula Ultima. It just made sense. Very streamlined, very straightforward. Um, it's it's brilliant. I, I it's so good. Your competency in abilities are mm. based off of um, dice size. Yeah. So the better you are at something, the, the larger dice. the dice size, and you can you always have to roll two dice. Yeah. So even if it's a straight like insight check. Um, two it's dice. two inside dice. So if you've got a D10 insight, you're all two D10s. However, if it's something that and it that it kind of reminded me to a certain degree of buying of bind. Yes, it did actually a little bit. Where yeah. everything has is a combination. Yeah. So, like for example, um, Edgar's attack. I think it was dexterity and insight. So I roll my D10. Mm-hmm. Was it D D ten for dexterity? Yeah, and my D eight for insight. Yeah, and that you have to beat your target number, obviously. Yeah, if you get both numbers over six and, and both uh, matching numbers over six, yeah. it is a crit. And obviously, matching ones is it a crit is a fail. Although I didn't have a single fumble. You did not. You did not. You actually rolled pretty well. I did. It was amazing. The worst roll of the night was one of my daughter's rolls, which is unusual. She normally rolls really well. But yeah, that, that was, it was weird for me. I, I, I was very confused. <laughs> but, and also what I did, what I did like was how they have actually emulated things like Final Fantasy in the combat. Yes. Yeah, the way initiative I, works. I really liked it. I did lose track a few times, but I think that was more just me, um, because everybody else seemed to be keeping track. It was I. I was losing track, and I think that's partially because where I had that step out, I was trying to catch up with my character sheet and stuff as well. 
Um, so I, I think I just wasn't fully focused, if that makes sense, on things. Yeah, so sense. I, I was missing bits. Um, but the way the, the combat works is really cool. So we, you group roll for initiative. Um, and then it goes, it just alternates between players DM until you reach the end of however many bad guys or the end of players. And then the, you just take turns, but it's also, I, I like that. It's not like, Oh, I've, I've got a really high dexterity. So I go first every time you can change the order of um, when you guys take, like when players take their turns and it lets you strategize. And I really like that. Which is exactly how it works in, in Final Fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The player has his turn. Yeah. But in Fabula Ultima, the player is the group of players. Yes. So the party has their turn. its turn. Yeah. The monsters have their turn. Yeah. And it is one for one. Yeah. Okay, someone from the party, who's going? Oh, well, I want to do this. Why don't you go first? Sort yeah. of thing. And you kind of create that sort of strategy between yourselves. Mm. It's like, okay, so I'm guarding, so I'm going to stay guarding, so the benefits... Last for a longer period of time. Yeah. And it is a really sort of strategic sort of um, focus. Yeah. And I think that's, for me, I think that's part of why I loved it so much, is because I didn't have to go looking for places to be strategic. Which is part of the reason that I, I build these like stupid characters in 5e and Pathfinder and stuff, right? Is I'm looking for places to apply a little bit of strategy to a thing to, to make it work better and stuff like that. But in Fabio Ultima, it's just baked into how combat works. It is a strategy element of the game. You have to decide what the best order of doing things is going to be. And sometimes that doesn't work out. Like when I decided to go ahead of Chris to guard him so that he could attack freely only to find out that that wouldn't help. Uh, <laughs> and then I got knocked the fuck out, but had it, Oh, sorry. Had it worked, it would have been a really cool strategy that would have, you know, been really good for us, but it turns out that it was not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> no, it was a, an amazing system. It was. And, can't wait for couch to run some yeah, more absolutely. and i think we're all kind of in the same frame of mind yeah. um you told me about the other player who's bought the book yeah, he literally he messaged me the next day like guess what i bought <laughs> yeah i bought the pdf as well yeah i know someone else we've all kind of we've all kind of played it and gone yes holy fuck that was <laughs> yeah, good exactly that um i think i'm the only one that was at the table that has not bought a copy and that's because i only just got paid <laughs> It's actually, it's actually quite reasonable. Um, I think the PDF's 14 quid from Modifius. That's not bad. I, I would buy the hard copy, though. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'll send you a link to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, No, I, I would appreciate it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing system. Couch ran an amazing game, and I can't wait to see what is next in store for us. Yeah, I'm hoping it's going to be a more of a frequent thing, so yeah. Yeah. hopefully we can start sending couch messages just kind of going, yeah, no, when... Um, I'm next? available, man. You know, just, I'm just, available. You guys Thursday. can all come around. It's fine. Thursday, not doing anything Thursday. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't do anything on Thursdays, so we could make it a standing thing, but we can discuss that another time. Yeah, um, I mean, for the most part, I only go go see the kids and then come home and go to the gym. Yeah. That's about it. Um, 
But speaking of couch, see what I did there? See that? That was on the nose. Right. Oh, come on. It was, I'm it was not good. giving you that. All right. Speaking of a regular thing, do you know where I regularly sit? <laughs> on a couch? No, because my daughter doesn't let me. I sit couch adjacent. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I was kidding. I'm not allowed to sit on my own sofa. Um, it, she tells me off. And it's not worth the fight. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, have you I, have you done anything to to get your couch? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? No, she just privileges. She, no, she she just likes any- the whole sofa. Um, fair because she like spreads her like stuff uh, stuff toys out, and she takes over the sofa and stuff. Well, you know, you gotta find a place for monkey. Yeah, oh, that dude, that monkey's huge. I know. I met him. Yeah, I know. She introduced us. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah. She told me his name. <laughs> his name is Monkey. Yes. Um, I think it's a grand name. It, it, she's very good with her names. She has a meerkat called Murkat, um, a unicorn called Corny, um, and she has a, a very good friend who has a dad named Couch, who we have a sofa. Uh, we have a whole segment named You're after. You're just trying to fucking hammer in. The I am. Fucking segue. And we're there. So let's go to the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I want to digress more. <laughs> I'm excited. I have a question. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I've got two questions. Oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> right. No, no. I've got three questions. <laughs> fuck you twice. <laughs> well, I've got um, one and I'm happy with my one question. All right. So do you want me to read? How about I read? One of mine. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll tell you what. I'll read two of mine because they're from the same person. Are they from Couch by any chance? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Then you can read yours and then I'll read my last one. All right, let's do that. All right. Okay. So the first one, I'm just trying to see which is going to be more <laughs> likeable. I think this one. Okay, so... This is from Couch, who is doing the Kessel Run in under 11 parsecs. (laughs) And the question is, when you have a party that seems to bundle into encounters that need prep work, what do you do as a GM? Do you try to lead your party into doing more checks and research, or do you let them fumble through to try and figure out how to beat the encounter? Um, that's a good one. Um, I I tend to maybe try and tell them that, hey, you guys should probably, uh, you know, do a bit of research. But if they don't and they just want to go in headfirst anyway, then they're going to have a tough time. Um, I'm not going to force them to go and spend, you know, a week in the library reading about a beholder, right? If they just want to go and fight the beholder, then so be it. Um, they're probably going to have a bad time. It's not going to go well for them. Um because I'm not going to pull punches because they didn't do the research, right? But yeah, I, I I wouldn't push them to do it, but I would strongly recommend that they do. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Um, I think to 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 a large degree, I do I do agree with you. Mm. I think that because stuff like knowledge checks are a thing, yeah then if those knowledge checks aren't done, mm. unless something happens which would make something immediately um, obvious, 
then I'm not going to I'm not going to give them information. Yeah. The case it like for example a weakness to fire. Mm. All right. They don't do a knowledge checks and they are just attacking it and then all of a sudden someone goes ahead and does a fire spell. Yeah. That's when I'll kind of go you get the impression that it's been hurt a bit more by that. Yeah, so, so something like um like Count was doing with the um you know cuz my my spell dealt light damage, right? So to the things that were vulnerable to light damage, he would, you know, talk about how they would react a lot more to the spell's effect and stuff like that. And to um, something that was resistant to light damage, he would talk about how they would just kind of, they seem to kind of shrug it off. And I, I, I always think that's a really good way of, because obviously in real life, you would get those kind, that kind of feedback, right? Um, and I think it's something that a lot of people sometimes maybe miss when as a way to, to give players that information. Um, so I think that is a good way to do it as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you learn as the fight progresses. Yeah. There are obviously the occasions where it is a fight in which a crucial bit of information is is needed in order to win the fight. Yeah. Not in order to make it easier, yeah. in which case they don't do their homework, fuck up. Well, I mean, the the reason I used a beholder as an example is um we were in a campaign that I was playing in, we were actively preparing to go and fight a beholder because we needed a beholder eye for a particular like for the the quest that we were on basically we were trying to restore this dagger and one of the components we needed was a beholder's eye so we knew we were going to go and fight a beholder um and we were spending time at a essentially it's a city that is a library the whole city like city is a library um so i spent the entire time we were in this library city researching beholders to try and come up with a tactic to defeat it right because beholders are nothing you know they're not something to sneeze at they're they're pretty pretty tough thing to fight especially if you've never fought one before um which none of our characters had right and they're kind of the stuff of legend beholders um so i spent a good portion of time researching a strategy to fight one um now i had a strategy in mind as a player but obviously my character doesn't so I also kind of took that as a way to take what was in my head and put it in character knowledge because, you know, the guy's just spent a week trying to come up with this tactic. It's reasonable that he would come up with the tactic I came up with, um, which the, when I told the DM what it was, he was like, I hate you. I was like, well, you know, make a better encounter. Because um, <laughs> basically he was going to have us fight this uh, beholder in a big open space. Um which means that I can just cast hold person and stay out of range of it and it can't hit me and everyone can just wail on it because it can't move. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's because I spent time in the library researching and planning for this encounter that I was able to actually say, yeah, I could probably do that. And if they didn't, if yeah. I didn't do that, it would have been a very, very hard fight for us. But that's the thing. If you don't do that, tough shit. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's a hard fight. You didn't do your homework. Mm. You made you made things, or you didn't make things, but you could have made things easier. Yeah. But you didn't because you didn't do the appropriate prep. Exactly. However, when it is something that is dependent 
yeah. on this knowledge. For example, the whole battle I did in the town with Yogg-Sagoth, they were never going to kill Yogg-Sagoth. It was a portion of Yogg-Sagoth that had managed to get through the portal. Yeah. So even had they have destroyed that, another portion would have come through. Yeah. The thing was having to close the portal. Yes. So I had a mechanic in place to give them that information of going, you have to close this portal. This is what you have to do. And then the fight didn't become about winning or losing. The fight became about surviving while one of the characters closed the portal. Yeah. So in that respect, if even if the players don't think to do the research, if it is something that is dependent on that research, <laughs> then I will find a way to deliver that info. To deliver that information. If yeah. it's just a case of, oh well, had we known it was weak to cold, this fight would have been easier, then you know yeah. for next time. That's been your learning experience. Yeah, well, I mean, again, on, on that same sort of thing, um, one of the combats in um, one of the starter campaigns in 5e, the first, like, big bad that you fight, in air quotes, um, he, he's got a regeneration ability that if you don't deal fire damage, um, he regenerates a lot of health. And at the level that you're fighting him, it, that's a, it's a lot to overcome. Um, and if the players haven't done their, you know, going around town and, you know, asking questions about this guy, because they know they're going to fight him, right? They get put on a quest to go and fight this guy. Um, so if they don't do the the legwork, as it were, it becomes a much, much harder encounter. So do your legwork, folks. Yeah, but also if in that case, running away is always an option. It is. It is always an option. And then regrouping and coming back. And trying again. All right, so thanks for that, Couch. Mm. We've got another one from you. So Couch is having fun, fun, fun in the sun, sun, sun. Everyone warns against splitting a party. <laughs> How do you deal with a party splitter? Do you balance encounters to deal with a lack of members? Nope. Or do you keep the full force of what yep. you had planned? Would you give the second party something else to do while the main story is continuing? Continuing? on i've got thoughts on this but i'm gonna turn it over to you uh so do do i nerf encounters because half the party is not there no if it's because they've split the party no if it's because players aren't there then yes right because that's something that's um like not controlled um but if if they've just decided no three of us are staying in the tavern absolutely not um because they've made a poor choice and as we've said numerous times on this podcast actions have consequences and the world needs to reflect that and if they know that they're trying to infiltrate like some gang's hideout right and they're only sending the rogue on his own some lonesome he's probably going to get caught and he's probably going to get knocked the fuck out um so no i absolutely do not nerf encounters uh in that situation as My for thoughts. the other thing sorry so as for the other bit about like giving the the other part of the group something to do um i if they're splitting the party for whatever reason i'll find out why they want to split the party and then if it's like oh we want to go do research then i basically just role play out them doing research or whatever while somebody else is investigating or 
whatever the the situation is, but I would, the situation is always going to be different, right? So it depends what the, they split off to do, but yeah, it depends really on on that. Well, I'm gonna start by saying I absolutely fucking hate <laughs> the whole "don't split the party" mantra. Yeah, I think it's fucking ridiculous. There's a time and a place for it, and here's why: people take it too literally. Yeah. You gotta think. You've got to role play when you're role playing. Mm. So you've got to put yourself in a position. You've got to put yourself in the position of your character who is in a dungeon. Let's start there. We are in a dungeon, and there are two forks. So some of us go left. Some of us go right. No, you fucking wouldn't because it's common sense. Yeah. Guys, let's stick together. It's safer in numbers. Yeah. All right. If then they split, if they decide to split the party then, and I've got two encounters in each room, those encounters are static. They are not changing. All right. However, in a city, doing investigation. Yeah, I chose a poor example there. (laughs) When when somebody somebody goes, oh, you know, can we go and speak to the mayor? And another person goes, okay, I want to go speak to this barmaid who was a witness. And another player goes, ah, there was that little street urgent that that I just kind of felt might know something. Mm. Or then all of a sudden you got the first person, fourth person that goes, no, don't split the party. So then what you've got is a series of scenes where four fucking people yeah, are going to talk to one go person. and a cast yeah, yeah, go yeah. and accost a mayor, a barmaid, and a street urchin. Yeah. Which takes them an entire fucking day. It's also like a lot more intimidating, right? Because let's say like that little street urchin. Because keep in mind, right? A good DM is gonna role play that NPC as that NPC. So if you've got like you know, the, the rogue who's got, you know, quick, quick on their feet, good, good, like, um, talking skills. Unlike me, who is stumbling over their words today for some reason, um, that goes and talks to this little kid who's, you know, also, you know, from, they grew up on the streets together. They've got a bit of common commonality and stuff like that. A lot more likely to get that information out of the kid than a group of four adventurers who come up, one of whom might be like a paladin or a cleric, right? Wearing this big, gleaming, shining armor, going, "You child, what did you see?" The child's going, oh, "Fuck off!" It's just, it's just absolute <laughs> horseshit. Yeah, it really is. You know, okay, so you want to go speak to these? You want to go speak? No, no, don't split the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, fuck off. No, I think split the party. It's it's, it's and- one of those things where if you if you are going, to, if there's a possibility. And the and by possibility, I mean like it's it's a greater than seventy five percent chance that there's an encounter down that path. Don't split the party there because that's stupid, right? But even even in the event that the party does split and an, an encounter does occur, mm-hmm. normally, if it's not like in a dungeon where encounters are set, the encounters I throw at them are normally opportunistic. Yeah. So it won't be a case of, oh, you've walked into this tavern and you've triggered an encounter. It'll be a case of, you walked into this tavern, you've said the wrong fucking thing. Yeah. However, there's only two of you. Yes. Yeah, so Not everybody is going to pile, pile in on two people. Yeah. Or if even if it's, you know, some 
big bad evil person with a nefarious plan who wants to fuck with the party they're not going to bother spending all their resources on that one dude <laughs> on on this one dude they're going to yeah, do yeah. something and you know they're going to try injure kill and this that, and the other but they're going to severely overestimate their possibilities yeah. so the whole don't split the party thing as a rule is absolute bullshit Use common sense. Yeah. You know, expect like in even in games like Delta Green. <laughs> right. And I had to make this very clear to the players because they started out with the oh we shouldn't split the party. My hey, argument was it doesn't fucking matter. I disagree. We split the party and I got shot. <laughs> that was another game. But in the in the game we were in the game that I was running, it was like split the party, don't split the party. Doesn't fucking matter because if something comes for you, oh yeah, you're fucked anyway. It's going yeah, to yeah, yeah. kill you regardless. Yeah, you're fucked anyway. I think as well, it's it's. I think it's as you say, right? If it's if it's an opportunistic encounter, then you are going to scale it to who's present because that makes sense. But uh, like when when I was saying about like sending the rogue on his own to investigate like the gang's hideout, that I, I was I was thinking along the lines of that's the next story beat is them going through this gang. You know that they know that the gang that they're trying to investigate. This is where they like base their operations out of. Sending one player to investigate that. It, I've seen enough films to know that never ends well, and they're going to end up kidnapped, right? There, there's. But then, then you create an encounter of a different type. Yeah. Then you create an encounter. Rogue goes into the the hideout. He. Fails a stealth check, makes some noise. He is spotted. Don't make it an encounter. Make it a fucking chase. Yeah. You know, they begin to chase you. What do you do? If the if the player's dumb enough to kind of go, I stand my ground. It's like, well, yeah, okay, you <laughs> cool. deserve to die. You got knocked the fuck out. So if yeah, but any player using common sense would kind of go, shit, I need to, yeah. Yeah, I need yeah, yeah. to go. And then you make it a chase. You make it a chase. You make it cinematic. You yeah. make it eventful. And you know, unless the player has your level of luck, <laughs> you you know, I you run. Okay, roll. Not one. You trip. You're dead. <laughs> you fall off you the trip roof. And fall on a knife. Yeah. You fall off the roof and land on all of their swords at once. So, yeah. Somehow. But, so first of all, let's let's stop with the whole. Don't split the party thing. Yeah. Second of all, it depends on the situation. If it if the players are walking into an encounter, that encounter should not change. Yeah. If the encounter is walking into the players, that's when there's a bit of wiggle room. Yeah. That's my answer anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um so I I guess the the overall advice is just use common sense. Yes. As like both yes. sides of the screen. Just use common sense, guys. And if you don't have any, okay. then good luck. <laughs> Come and start a podcast talking about tabletop yeah, role-playing that's games. what we did. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. Yay! We have the return of sci-fi. The return of sci-fi, the return. Of, yeah, he's uh, just back from the Mind Flayers grub camp. It was a lovely place, I think. <laughs> nice, I like that. Yeah. Um, when homebrewing, do you spend time working on possible backstory links for characters linking to the main story of the campaign and over what time period? 
links only in the first few sessions, some links to a story arc in the middle game and or links to the end goals of the campaign, etc., etc. Okay. For me it depends. Mm-hmm. If the story touches upon something that could be related to the player's character, mm. then I will double down. Yeah. <clears throat> Case in point, in the homebrew campaign, they've traveled all over Galarian, right? Each of the characters is from a different region. Now, in terms of backstory, for the most part, everyone's been relatively vague. Mm-hmm. They've given me what I asked for, which is very broad brush strokes. Yeah. I'm not going to shoehorn that in. Of course. Now, they had a choice at one point to get teleported literally to anywhere in Galarian. Mm-hmm. And the chance, the the options I had were close to three of the characters' sort of hometowns. Okay. So they decided to go for the place that's near the clerics. Right. So I then wrote stuff for that cleric, for that, you know, for his backstory. We we brought in people, NPCs from his backstory. Mm. We wrote a little... A little thing where there was a rivalry yeah, and, and just all kind of flesh stuff. stuff out a little bit. The others did fuck all with. Yeah. Because it's not something I'm going to use. Yeah. So unless the players then kind of find something that connects the ongoing story to their backstory, I don't really do much with it. Yeah. Um I mean, I, I'm inclined to agree on that. I won't tie it into the main story. Um, I might, if they've got something in their backstory that's like um, a source of conflict for them or or something like a, a goal of theirs or, or anything like that, right, that's in their backstory, I will at points tie that in as like side questy stuff, um, unless it is like directly linked to what I've got planned out, right? Um, so the same sort of thing as you. Like, if if it happens to coincide that what they've written down is something that I've got written down as well, happy fucking days. Um, if it's not, then I'll I'll mainly put it in as like a side questy thing where you know, like like you've got if they happen to be in a, a town where I don't know the there was a bandit that murdered his whole family, and this bandit happens to be now camped outside of the town that they've just arrived in. It'll be like a little side quest for them to do. Um, but it's never going to be main story arc or anything like that. Um, unless it just happens that way. But yeah. Now, I'll always kind of have the the knowledge of the character's backstory. Mm. I've got it written down. Yeah. And every now and again, I'll kind of go through it. I'll read everything and just kind of, just make sure that there is no sort of relation. Yeah. In one, in for one of the characters, I have tied something in, mm-hmm. but there was a mechanical reason for it. Yeah. Which will all kind of be revealed when the the campaign is over. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I have actually tied that in quite heavily. 
And it hasn't been a case of, oh, we've happened upon this. It, no, it's been a case of the backstories found them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, d- I mean, that was out of necessity. But other than that, I don't bother. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I do like to do it um, on occasion just because it, it, it feels like the characters are then, that like they're getting a bit of a story arc as well, rather than just like the main story arc, like their, their characters developing as well a little bit. Um, you know, it gives, gives them a chance to maybe deal with, I don't know, um, if they're like an oath of vengeance paladin, for example, right. Maybe give them, I, I will give them chances to, um, achieve like vengeance or not. And maybe then become an oath breaker because they've not taken vengeance when they could, um, but I'll give them things to to create conflict with their backstory, but it'll never be like as part of the main main quest line. I mean, the other thing is, if a player turns around and kind of says, "Can we invest? Can we look into this?" Mm. and you know they've got an element that they want to explore, that they want to resolve, in which case, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, I will find something. I will find a hook, or I will find something that ties in, but. For the most part, unless it happens organically, then it's not something I push to accomplish because it does feel shoehorned in at times. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good question. I miss sci-fi. Mm, was a good question. All right. So I've got one more question. Fire away. Got a question from... You ready for this? Yes. A new question wait 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 someone new a new person a new person a new individual interesting this is a local store for local people (laughs) it is definitely not uh anybody is allowed to send us a question at any time just to clarify that was a joke we didn't mean it send us questions (laughs) yeah please do we we can't rely on our wit no, like, for an hour and a half no, straight. We, we struggle. <laughs> we do need input. <laughs> we do. We do. Okay, so this question comes from the wrist bandit, <laughs> who is one. on most people's wrist. <laughs> and the question is: Do you think a smartwatch could be used to help play tabletop role playing games? And what functionality would you use to help the game develop? Ooh. On another note. Do you think technology will ever replace the feel of being around a table face-to-face playing games? Okay, so to answer the second part of that question, no. Not for me personally. Um, there's, there's just something about being around a table with, like, yeah, just no. Um, the first part of the question, though, that's interesting. I think that I think the thing about the smartwatch is, you know, obviously someone who who has a smartwatch mm. and is very very proud of it because he is now one of the cool kids. Well, I have a smartwatch. <laughs> so do I. And I've never really thought about using it for for role playing in any way. By the way, before you continue, can I just point out that this question asker is a known person? This is an in joke. So I'm not being elitist right now. <laughs> but it's still a good question, even if it is an in-joke. 
It is a great question. Um, I've already got an idea, but I'm going to let you No, I, I, I need to think, so you go with yours. Right. I'm going to answer the second part of the question first. Mm-hmm. Like you did. Yeah, yeah. Right, so no, 100%. Um, the feel of being around a tabletop is unique. Mm. It is something that's never replicated, and it never will be replicated, and they're going to try. However, what I feel is, with every attempt, they are bringing tabletop role-playing games more toward the realms of video games. Yeah. So that's why you've got, you know, virtual tabletops are not only virtual tabletops anymore. Foundry does half the math for you. Yeah. Foundry calculates the distance between two targets and whether a penalty should apply to your attack roll. Mm -hmm. Which is great. It's convenient. It's fantastic. But it's also a source of contention because the moment it stops working, people freeze. Yeah. It's like, just take away two. Add two. You know, in your case, it'd be roll with advantage or disadvantage. Whatever. You know, in my case, it, they in are... my case, it would be a. You, you know what the answer is. I'm not going to bother rolling. I'm going to roll a one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We get it. You're depressed because you roll like shit. Yes. However, <laughs> um, it does feel like that as good as these things are, and the more game aids that that are given, it does take away a lot of the agency. It does take away a lot of the charm that that comes with playing at a table. Yeah. And remembering your conditions. Mm. I mean, if it weren't for Foundry being able to add conditions, I don't think a lot of the players would even remember them. Yeah. I mean, and again, and- that's something, well, around the table we have, um, at least around my table anyway, um, I have uh, like discs that have the conditions on them. So mm. when a player is uh, like incapacitated for example you just put the incapacitated incapacitated disc on their model um which works obviously in the same sort of way so you you have a visual representation of that character is currently knocked the fuck out um you know and, and stuff like that which i think as well it also helps for the um the what's the word i'm looking for I guess yeah, the, the the visual as a player when you're looking at the battlefield in front of you and going, oh shit, that guy is currently frightened and running away. Um, I don't need to worry about him because you can see the status effect on him. Because obviously, in in a real setting, right, if it was this, you were actually in this battle, you would be able to see that that particular goblin is currently shitting himself and running in the opposite direction. Whereas on on a tabletop map with just like a mini or a model or even on like foundry, for example, if you, if you can't see the, you know, currently shitting a brick status on that particular enemy. Um, yeah, but you can though. Yeah. No, I'm just saying if you couldn't, right. Um, <laughs> it, it would be hard to to tell just by looking at the model. Cause you'd have to make sure that you then have your model alignment always correct. Like, and not alignment as in, neutral or good or whatever i mean alignment as in which direction they're facing just to clarify or or the gm could just remember shit but it's not just about the gm remembering though because it's also about the players looking at it and going 
because again in real life you would be able to look like if you're in, engaged i mean we, we used to work in nightclubs right we've seen enough fights kicking off you can always tell who the guy with, that was shitting a brick was because he was the one walking away whilst trying to still give it large right but but the thing is we're not trying to replicate real life it's a game yeah we don't need to see that we don't necessarily need to see these things this game has been played with paper and pen yeah it doesn't i mean even as as good as game aids and support is it's not a hundred percent necessary to play around a table it's not even necessary to play online with all you need is dice and a character sheet oh yeah absolutely that's all you need and to to yeah it's great to have these things mm. but if you don't have them you can still play. You can still remember, okay, that guy's frightened. I'll make a quick note of it. You know, it's not it's not a necessity. And what these virtual tabletops are doing is they're doubling down on the convenience. Which is gonna be which is their selling point. Yeah. It's convenient to pre-build encounters. It's convenient for me to not have to leave the house. Yeah. Yeah. It's convenient to, for me to play online. Still not going to be comparable to playing in person. No, never. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to approximate it more to video games. Yes. So you just click a button. And Foundry does all the math for you, which is great. But when it stops working, people freeze. (laughs) So, you know, I think from... I think one thing that I would like to do is play an online game but use something like Albert Rodeo, which is no frills. It is a map on a table. Mm. Everything else, you roll in real dice, you're using character sheets, and just use have that as the table instead of Foundry with all its bells and whistles and all this, which is great. Again, love the convenience, yeah. but it does take something away. It takes away the element of the game where you actually have to calculate and you actually have to do the math. Yeah, no, I get that. And so, first question. Yeah, smartwatch. Have you thought of something? I I, I genuinely can't think of anything. All right, I'll go then. Mm. Check this out. Rolling dice. Rolling digital dice. You have an app where you select the dice and the number and then using the accelerometer accelerometer of the watch, the hand motion Mm. would trigger the dice roll. Yeah. If anybody knows how to code... I I, I do know how to code. I probably probably could do that. Um, I think you should do it. I'm probably not going, being honest. No. Because well, one because I hate Apple, as you know, but two. No, do it for do it for Google. Do yeah, it for I, the I might. I'll, I'll I'll if I've got a spare five minutes, I'll give it a crack. Um, and that's not me trying to sound big headed. That's me just saying if I've got a spare minute, not actually a minute. Um, I'm using a phrase, people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that like that that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know, but if I if I'm if I'm having to make the action, I'd rather just roll dice. <laughs> no, that's fair, but, but um, I'm answering the question yeah. that was asked. I guess for for 
like if you're playing online that would be a pretty cool way if you could get that interaction between like your smartwatch and foundry for example so that was kind of what yeah, i was aiming for if you got that that interaction i guess for me because i play in person not online if, if, if i'm playing in person and i'm making the action of rolling dice i'm just gonna roll dice right um oh, yeah, of course. yeah so I, it, getting that interaction with foundry might be difficult <laughs> it's not um i don't know i haven't looked at it but um it's not because um foundry's um foundry's api is is quite liberal fair enough that's why there's so many modules um, so basically it'd be a module yeah <sighs> I, yeah that's that's the only thing i can really maybe it might be cool to have like a um and this is something that would work really well for playing in in person um especially if everybody at the table had this right um is a, a health indicator so not actually having like your hit point number but something that changed um the like it, it's color on a gradient from like green to red based on your hit points could be pretty cool because again you know if you're in a in a battlefield situation um and you can see that one of your you know, party members is not looking good because at a quick glance at the ta- across the table, you can see that his watch is currently orange, right? Instead of green. Um, it, it would prompt you without even having to say, what's everyone's hit points? Because you know what I mean? Like that kind of breaks immersion a little bit, just halfway through a big like battle going, uh, everyone good for hit points? Or if you had some kind of indicator for that, that, that could be pretty cool, I guess. Um, it would be very easy to code. Yeah, no, no, I, I do agree, but that would have to be tied to do it properly. That would have to be tied to a digital character sheet. Um, so to save you having to not necessarily to input it um, twice because it would be it would be on your on your phone, right? So you you wouldn't you just wouldn't have to track your HP on your paper sheet if you had just like a so you get like a life point counter for things like magic of the gathering um and Yu-Gi-Oh, like card games stuff like that right that use life points so you you would have a similar sort of thing where you could just put in what your hit points are um and then when you take damage you just subtract it from that or likewise you could use it for like dnd beyond if you could get it to integrate with the the hit points on there and then have it all in one place if you could get that api i don't know how open dnd beyond is but then it would be like um it would become locked to that framework, but having it as a standalone app where you just put in your hit points and you deduct it would be a very, very easy thing to code. Um, and then you wouldn't necessarily have to track your hit points on your character sheet. For example, you would just do it through this app. Well, one thing I know it is great having a, uh, a smart it watch. Is. I love my smartwatch. So thank you to that question, Asuka. Um, also, thank you to Couch and Sci-Fi yes. for some fantastic questions. Um, thanks to you once again for spending oh, some shucks. time with, with me this evening. Do you want to talk to the people and tell them where they can find you? Sure. Um, you can find me on most socials at Justin Accurate TV. Um, and I do also stream over on Twitch. Um, so you can find me over there, just an accurate TV on Twitch as well. Yeah. As for me, you can find me on Mastodon at Natural Juan. Um, I'm also now on Threads, Blue Sky, and Instagram as Too Legit to Crit. 
So if you ever want to hit us up, we also have our Facebook page. Yes. Which you're more than welcome to join and come and chat to us and, you know, tell us how much you hate us. It's fine. We're used to it. I'm very used to it. And other than that, if you like what you hear, do not hesitate to, to kind of give us a, a good rating on your podcatcher of choice and talk to your friends about yeah. us. And, you know, hopefully we can grow this amazing community that's shown us so much kindness and warmth in the past few months that we've been doing mm-hmm. this. So most importantly, thank you to everyone who's taken time out of their busy days to listen to two idiots waffle on about role-playing games. Yep. Thank you very much. Good night. Bye, everybody.